0: Hello and welcome to the Post to Post podcast. It is podcast number 33. It is Friday night for us. I know, this is weird. Yeah, we we have some uh, scheduling conflicts mm-hmm. on Sunday. So we were going to film on Saturday and we had some more confliction there. So we decided, well, okay, let's just film Friday night because there's no hockey. Yeah, weekend. nothing's uh, going to happen. Yeah, other than the All-Star game. Yeah, so,
1: so why not? Mm.
0: And next weekend is the Super Bowl... Weekend, I believe. Right. I was going to wear my Super Bowl hat, but I got this NASCAR. Got this NASCAR hat in mail, and I figured, it looks nice gosh
1: dang, you. I better put her on, get her I done. Didn't, I didn't know you was an Austin Dillon fan
0: until just there now. Yeah, I just like the number. You think we could do a whole podcast with this
1: accent? Uh, I don't think it'd be a good idea. I don't think so, No, yeah. I don't think so. Uh, so.
0: So, even though this was a short week in hockey, there's still a lot to talk about. Oh, yeah, a lot happened. And we have some... I wouldn't say really important, but very, very interesting stories you have over there about mm-hmm. some very specific players. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about some goaltender interference, a little bit more about Brad Marchand and the All-Star game, some upcoming videos on the channel, and uh, that, that game last night between Montreal and Carolina. God. And a few other little things, I think. So, but. Sure. So the first thing on my list is the goaltender interference. Right. I can't, uh, I don't know if I can take it anymore. It's <laughs> It's unbelievable. The inconsistency is to the point now, where I've I've given up. Yeah. Like I've I've literally given up my opinion on what I think is goaltender interference and what's not, because it is re- absolute absolutely
1: ridiculous what's going on. You know, I think the the way to and, and I can't I believe I'm, I'm about to say this, but I think the way to fix this is to go back in time, to when any offensive player. Cannot be in the crease, period. So like the IIHF rules? Yeah. Kind of? And and But going with that, if the goalie is out of his crease, he's fair game. To be hit? To be anything. To be, yeah, I, I've always had that yeah. opinion. You know, it, the crease should be a safe zone for the goalie. And if he's going to stay in his crease, he can stay safe. Mm. If he's going to get out of his crease and go behind the net and someone checks him, they check him. And that, that way the goalie will stay where he belongs and the forwards will stay out of where they don't belong. So you think there should be the whole no skate in the crease thing, like all the way back to that nonsense? Well, I, that was nonsense. But when you compare it to this nonsense, I don't know if it's any worse. And, and I'm starting to wonder whether maybe a skate in the crease that, that has a possibility of affecting the play, uh, maybe it could, you know, the rule could be loosened a little bit like that. But really, and people are going to think this is stupid, and even if I listen to this 10 minutes from now, I'll probably think it's stupid. But, <laughs> you know, I haven't, th- I haven't given it a lot of thought. But th- the way you introed the, the mm-hmm. topic, I got thinking, well, yeah, you're losing your mind about it. And what's the way to solve it? It certainly better replays, more replays, more stoppages for replays, more subjective decisions in Toronto. Um, that's not going to help. No, I don't. Uh, they need to reword... How
0: the rule is written, number one, because I want to talk about specifically the Toronto goal that was called back on them against Colorado, mm-hmm. and then the goal goal that was called against them are called good goal uh, that Anderson led in that. Sh- yeah, in my opinion, it was against Chicago and it should have should have been no goal. So two calls that went the wrong way for Toronto, and I mean I was cheering for Colorado in that game. I was cheering for Chicago in the other game. Mm -hmm. I'm not being not being weird about it. I, I wanted Toronto to lose, but not like that. Yeah. It but like that first goal against Colorado, by the rules, and I read the rules right straight out of the rule book. By the rules, it was actually a good call. It should have been no goal. But based on how they are calling goaltender interference from like the beginning of this year and even last year, that's no goal. And that's the whole problem. They're inconsistent. Completely inconsistent. Mm-hmm. They need they need to not uh, leave it up to the refs on the ice. They need to have five guys in a room in Toronto or New York or Chicago or wherever. And they need to be sitting there and waiting for these plays to come in every night. And a play comes in and they each vote, whether it's a, a goal or no, or no goal, and then that's it. I'd, I'd be okay with that. And those five guys are in different rooms. Oh, They cannot talk to each other. Oh wow! Oh, that's interesting. So these five guys have to make the opinion. They submit it, and it goes straight down to the box of the game, and then they tell the ref, and the ref announces it whether it's a goal or not.
1: Okay. So so there's no
0: collaboration or wow anything like that.
1: No discussion. There's no
0: discussion in between people. Wow. Yeah, they well, that's give their, interesting.
1: Yeah, that's that's an interesting idea. It's 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 no wackier than what's going on now. I just I it's not wacky at all, really.
0: It's it's just very frustrating.
1: Well, it is very frustrating. And one thing I liked about the whole skate in the crease thing is that it's cut and dry. It's either in the crease or it's not. That's true. And, And that makes it a lot easier to make the decision, even if the rule is dumb. And I do think skate in the crease is dumb if the skate being in the crease is not changing any opportunity for the goal to be scored or not be scored. But, uh, you know, and, and I think the rule used to be applied where if the puck got in first, then anybody can go in the crease if the puck's already in there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm okay with that. But uh, if the goalie needs a safe zone and not get run over and it's happening, then the crease needs to be a more protected place. And if it's going to be a more protected place, there has to be a penalty for not leaving it protected. And uh, the goalie needs to have a safe place that he can go and not get smashed into. And that is not behind the net. If he goes behind the net, fair game.
0: I I agree. I completely agree. If a goalie leaves the net, they should be able to hit and be hit. <coughs> yep. I've always had that opinion. Yeah, but uh, I I don't I don't want to say disagree with you, but no, no, you, I, I hope you do. And I, I, I don't think it's really a, a, a disagreement. It's the fact that if we look at the whole skate in a certain area thing this year with the offsides, mm-hmm. I mean, just going back to is the skate off or on the ice. Is this gate in a specific spot? Like that's that's driving me crazy too. Yeah, that's whacked up so bad too.
1: That's terrible. I. Uh, yeah, there's I know.
0: A, it's very frustrating. It's very very frustrating, and I don't. There's, there's nothing that we can do about it. No. Because it's all up to the GMs when they meet with mm-hmm. Gary Bettman and the owners or whoever goes there, and they have these meetings to decide on new rules and all this stuff. And I I don't know I. There seems to be a lot of disagreement within the with that within that group within the NHL because there's there was a ton of coaches last year or the sorry the year before last year who didn't want this whole offside challenge thing in and it it came in and then you had some co- some some of them flip flop and say that okay, and now we like it or now okay, no we, that was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. we should take this out so there's it's really all over the place yeah so that's that's just proof that there's something wrong. And the fact that we're talking about this endlessly, every single day, pretty much, is proof that there's something wrong with mm-hmm. the rules or the system.
1: Yeah, it, I totally agree. Now, maybe the IIHF has it right, or maybe the NHL should just surrender its rulemaking authority to the IIHF and say, guys, do what you want to do. That's what FIFA does in soccer. Everybody's a FIFA child. Mm-hmm. In the soccer world, no matter what league you're in, FIFA gets to describe what the rule's going to be, and that's what it is. Maybe the IIHF should have the same kind of power over all hockey on the planet. Uh, And maybe people will be upset about that, but there's things in the IIHF rules that I like. Uh, For one thing, when you lose your helmet on the ice, you have to go straight to the bench. You can't still play. Right. Uh, When a goalie gets hit in the mask with a puck, it's blown down. Uh, Those things, I think, are safety-based. I think they're wise. They do contribute to stoppages in the play, maybe. But uh, I like them because they're based on safety.
0: Let me ask you this. Do you think there's a conspiracy in the NHL against certain teams like Toronto?
1: I don't. I don't think there is. I I understand how a lot of passionate fans would think there are because they want to try to explain an extended losing record on something other than... Mm -hmm the culture of the team, the chemistry in the dressing room, the coach, the GM, the draft, whatever. And, you know, they've lo- they've run out of other excuses, so they'd <laughs> rather say conspiracy. But uh, I don't buy it. I don't think there's a conscious uh, plan cooked up by some people in a dark basement somewhere to to make <laughs> it, you know, impossible for the Toronto Maple Leafs to do well. They've, they've done well. Uh, when Toronto was ahead of Boston in that series, uh, they could have wrapped that up even in Game Seven. They could have wrapped that up. Toronto almost made it to the finals in '93. Um, there's been other times, and Toronto's done fairly well, even mm-hmm. last year playing Washington was a great series. So, no, I don't think so. I agree. Okay. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think there's any conspiracies or anything, but no, there's a lot of runs of dumb luck, bad luck, and good luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's all it is.
0: I think. Uh, I, I think the NFL. On the other hand, compared to the to the NHL, there are some very questionable things going on within that whole organization. Yeah,
1: yeah, the NFL. There's something's not right.
0: It starts. It starts with the whole. It starts with the refs. Mm -hmm. It goes to the teams, and it goes to the the owners. Like it's, it seems to be everywhere in the NFL. Yeah, and it kind of worries me. You know. Because I don't want the NHL to catch that disease.
1: No, no. And when the money becomes so big, that, 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 that becomes attractive well, NFL, to try to fiddle with things, right? Yeah, I think
0: the NFL makes like $14 billion a year. So it's crazy. Insane.
1: It's crazy. I had lunch today with a New England Patriots fan, and we jokingly talked about the suspension last year with the deflate gate and all right. that. And, and he used the, uh, the, the fact that it was only a four-game suspension as proof that there's no NFL conspiracy to elevate the New England Patriots uh, higher than they should be. And I used the four-game suspension as evidence of the opposite, because it should have been a 10-game suspension. <laughs> <You know? laughs> anyway, we're just having fun with it. But Speaking that was... of suspensions, mm-hmm. and this is on my list kind of All as right. well. Yeah, roll it on. I went back to
0: 2009, right. and I looked at every single suspension in the NHL since 2009.
1: Gee, that took more than an hour.
0: It took like three. Because I'm going to do it for a video, an upcoming video. And I wanted to see what active player, or so sorry, what player that is active now who, who played from 2009 till now. Mm-hmm. Who has the most suspensions since then? And I'm not talking. I'm not, not talking about who has the most suspended games. I mean, sp- the most individual suspension events. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you think it is?
1: Well, I'm thinking it's the star of the week, Brad Marchand. But yeah, it is. It is really. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! I was just I was just a guess because. He's in the news all the time for it.
0: He has the most, and this isn't this isn't including fines. This is just suspensions. So he has he has fines, other than this. Since 2009, he has been suspended an individual. uh, Sorry, sorry, six individual times. For a total of I don't know, like 19 games or whatever it is, but uh, six times. Mm -hmm. Do you know how many times the next closest person to him has been who's been suspended? Like how many individual times they've been. I worded that poorly, but you know what I mean.
1: I know what you mean. Three? Four. Four.
0: Yeah. Wow. So, and it's, uh, it's a tie between Ovechkin. Oh, really? And, oh, I can't remember the other person.
1: But Now, what, now I don't remember any of Ovechkin's suspensions, so maybe you can refresh my memory. Uh,
0: there was a cross-check. There was an elbow. There was, he, he wasn't, he didn't have a serious injury, and he backed out of the All-Star game. Uh, so he got suspended one game. He had a, think like a knee maybe on someone. I can't remember. I looked okay. at so many suspensions today. I just <laughs> forget. But uh, it's going to be an upcoming video. Yeah. So. But I,
1: I don't get a sense, you know, if you contrast Ovechkin and Marchand, I don't get a sense that Ovechkin is the same kind of mindset at all. He He's just a hard-charging player that charges a little too hard. The right?
0: difference between Ovechkin's suspensions and Brad's suspensions is Ovechkin's, most of his suspensions were retaliatory. Mm-hmm. And 100% of Brad Marchand's suspensions have been
1: or uh, attacked predatory. Yeah, <laughs> so uh,
0: it's there. There, there is a difference, but I mean, if you're suspended, you're suspended. So yeah, I,
1: I like the way you described it in your video. You know, there, there's something just not there. There's a switch that's not switching.
0: I just don't get it. Like, and and people are using the argument that he was, he's been beat beat up on so so much this year that he's just trying to protect himself. That's okay. right. Really. Brad Marchand right. is trying to protect himself? Mm-hmm. Shouldn't it be the other way around? People are trying to protect themselves of,
1: of him? Well, that's why North Korea is developing nuclear weapons to protect <laughs> themselves. Come on. Did you, just, did you just make an analogy between Brad Marchand and North Korea? Apparently I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think Brad Marchand is like Kim Jong-un. No, that would, yeah, I know but, what you mean. But the people that are defending Brad Marchand are the same mindset, I think, of those that would be defending Kim Jong-un. Uh, I don't think that Brad Marchand is doing just, anything other than being a tool.
0: And I didn't understand the argument either. Of him, he's trying to jump over the stick, so that's why his elbow is in the air. What? That doesn't make any sense. If I'm tripping over something and I'm falling, my hands are going to go out like this. Who yeah. trips and does like? Well, if you're trying stress? to
1: take flight, I guess if you're tripping and you're and you you know you think you can get airborne, I guess that's why they call it the chicken wing. Maybe that's why. And chickens can't fly and either. And chickens can't fly. Yeah. So. <laughs> I saw at the last minute Johansson, right? That he hit yeah uh, Marcus Johansson, Marcus Johansson from New Jersey. Yeah, that elbow goes straight sideways at the last minute, like like you say. He if he was trying to break his fall, he'd be putting his hands in front of him. Mm. But he he he's what he does is he sees the opportunity to uh, get a lick in here while he's on his way by and hopefully get away with it. I don't think he intentionally like
0: was trying to give him a concussion or anything like that. I think maybe I think he probably meant to get him in the shoulder, but I don't think he intentionally elbowed him in the head, but Mm -hmm. I think he intended to hurt him. Like, there was no reason to cut in like that. No. Because Applebee or whoever was in that, or Appleby or whatever, his name is, he already had the puck covered. Yeah. And Brad Marchant literally turned and kind of cut in. Mm -hmm. And on that one angle, you could see him look and see that yeah, that Marcus Johansson was coming in.
1: And if you go back about eight seconds in that play, they were going at it a little bit. They up, were Up yeah. the ice. Yep. So this was just a continuation of something that had started back at center ice mm-hmm. or be t- uh, the other side of the blue line. Anyway. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it just that's how it ended.
0: Yeah, it's it's frustrating for Boston fans. I know there's a lot of upset Boston fans and stuff too. So yeah.
1: And and I think uh, as many of them are upset with Marchand as as, as those who are upset thinking that it's a. Uh, over-the-top suspension of five games. I I saw some commentary. Some guys were thinking, oh, you should get three, you should get one, you should get ten. Uh, five, I think, is probably about right for this offense, except, like you say, it's the sixth time now?
0: Well, I think, I th- in my opinion, the, the offense itself should have been one or two, being because he's a repeat offender, mm-hmm. repeat, repeat offender, and so on. He should have gotten at least five. Yeah. He's. I mean, he's been, smit, been suspended six times since he joined the league. Yeah. More than anyone else in the past eight years. You like throw the book at him, make him an example, and also don't let him attend the All Star game.
1: Yeah, that to me is completely crazy. It, I don't. I don't get it. It's, yeah. it's
0: total, total contradicting yourself. Yeah. You're trying to set an example and and suspend someone, and like. As literally setting an example of what not to do, mm-hmm. f- not only for the rest of the league, but for for kids and other hockey players around the world, you don't do this. But please come to our All Star game yeah, and be a face wanna, of our, f- our of our league. Yeah,
1: we want to glorify you. Yeah. After we've just punished you. I think it's silly. It is silly. I think it's also silly to have a player who's in the penalty box at the end of overtime be allowed oh, yeah. to participate in the shootout. Mm-hmm. When he's in the penalty box and the game ends and his penalty hasn't fully been served, he's not eligible in my world. Mm-hmm. And Brad Marchand shouldn't be eligible to be in the All-Star game if he's serving a suspension. And this has nothing to do with Boston. If no. a, like
0: Andrew Shaw got suspended three games last year, I think. Yeah. If, he, if Andrew Shaw did something like this for Montreal, mm-hmm. I'd be saying literally the exact same thing. Yeah. This has nothing to do with teams. I'm not being no like crazy, like vicious towards Boston just because I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan. Mm-hmm. You guys know that
1: yeah. already. No, it's uh, it's very unfortunate, and you know he's not the only player in the league that's like that, but he's probably the most prominent player that has this crazy mix of incredible talent, and incredible lapses in brain.
0: And that's not that's the most frustrating frustrating thing about it because he's not like Dan Carcillo or Ronaldo or someone who no. only plays tough and rumble games. Mm-hmm. This is like this is Brad Marchand. He's an elite goal scorer. Did you say tough and rumble? Tough and tough and rumble. Yeah. Isn't it rough and tumble? I, I don't
1: know. Actually, they both work.
0: I, I always say t- tough and rumble.
1: Wow. Okay. That's a, that's a new one for me. But I, <laughs> I interrupted your, your your profound statement. I apologize. What was I saying? Uh, you're talking about Brock Besser, maybe?
0: No. no? <laughs> what? You need to pay attention, yo. Okay. I was <laughs> saying that he doesn't play that, that kind of crazy physical game. Mm-hmm. He's an illegal scorer. He's an elite playmaker. I don't, like, if you have that skill, that speed, that talent, why are you wasting your time doing this stuff? Yeah. Like, it, and it's mental. It's oh, completely yeah. mental. Oh, yeah. I don't, and you, you can't fix it. I I think he'll always be that player. Yeah. And it's frustrating.
1: It is. There, frustrating. There's something not there. And that thing is restraint.
0: And it's weird because when you see him in off-ice interviews and stuff, he is very calm. Mm-hmm. He's not like crazy emotional or anything like that. So I don't understand it. And he apologized today, eh?
1: No, oh, I d I didn't say that. To his team. To his team.
0: Not the person he gave the concussion to. But to his team. So Yeah. I I I wish I that they released the opposite and that he apologized to the person that he gave a concussion to. That'd be nice. But maybe he did, but they just didn't yeah. report it. So
1: So when when you apologize to the team are you really apologizing for doing what you did, or are you apologizing for not getting away with it?
0: I think he's apologizing for
1: being out five games. Not necessarily
0: doing it, but being out five games. Yeah. Yeah. So right. it's uh, sucky. Yep. All right, moving on. Mm. Upcoming videos this week on Post to Post. Oh, yeah. I'm going to talk about some Columbus. I'm going to talk about some Detroit. I'm going to talk some Washington. Ooh. I'm going to talk some Vancouver. Ooh. I'm going to talk about how I hang my jerseys. Because <laughs> people keep asking, and you can probably already tell, but I'll go into a little detail, more detail,
1: just for fun. Uh, you know what? Uh, people like to worry about, or not worry, but wonder about interesting things. Yeah. I sit in this room basically every day. I've never given it a second's thought how all those jerseys <laughs> all get hung there. I, I
0: guess I haven't told you, have you? Do no, you know?
1: No, I don't, but I never wondered. I just I just presume they're hung properly, and uh, <laughs> I'm good. Oh, it's, it's pretty backwards. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's pretty redneck. But, uh,
0: well, I'll, I'll show you after the podcast, um, <laughs> Alps Hockey League, we did some, looked at some logos from the Alps Hockey League. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, the Alps Hockey League is kind of based in Italy, that kind of area of the world. Italy, so, Austria, Austria, and yeah. Slovenia.
1: Yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. Chris joined us for that. So he'll yeah. be coming up. Chris is pretty popular. People love Chris. They love and Chris. And why wouldn't they? Well, I know. Come on. I, I understand why, but it, it's great that that uh, the viewers see what we see.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's know. it's really interesting hearing his take because he's not a typical hockey fan. Yeah. And really, I wouldn't even classify him as a hockey fan. He's just a good
1: dude. Yeah, So, yeah. Just a good dude with a... He's a man on the street with a man in a street opinion. Yeah, exactly. And it's great. <laughs> uh, and he does have his own YouTube channel, guys, too. I'll, I
0: linked it in the previous video that he was on. So go, go check it out. Subscribe. Say hello. Cool. Uh, I'm going to talk, talk some... NHL players who have been suspended the most since 2009. Kind of already mentioned that. Uh, So that's coming up as a video. Now, that's kind of it on my list other than the Montreal Carolina game. God, was that? I I know that most of you who are listening or watching probably didn't even watch the game or maybe not even know what happened. Mm -hmm. But if you did watch the game, humor us for this conversation. And uh, hopefully you can share some frustrations with us because... Wow, what an unbelievable, frustrating game that was. I've never, like, I wasn't saying this to be funny on Twitter. I have never, like, I've watched an unhealthy amount of hockey in the last two years, and really probably my whole life, but I have never in my life seen worse defensive hockey. Like, it was so bad. It and was just Not just by, not just by Montreal, uh, by Carolina. By
1: well. Carolina, too. Carolina beat Montreal 6-5. And one would think that it was a high-scoring, rootin' tootin', uh, tough-and-rumble mm-hmm. uh, kind of game. And it was just the worst. It was almost like, who's going to lose the game first? Uh, Carolina got up 2 nothing. Montreal tied it 2-2. And within, I think, 16 seconds of the tying goal, making it 2-2 from Brendan Gallagher, Carolina scored one and then got another one right away quick. And then it was 4-2. And then Montreal scored two more, and then it was 4-4. Yeah, they scored... <laughs>
0: Four goals in a minute and thirty seconds in the game, and then later in the period scored. Uh, I think it was like three, or three more within a minute and it a half. Was or something. It was crazy. It was it, just crazy. It was terrible. Every time Montreal tied the game, Carolina took the lead again, like yeah. seconds after. It was, it was <laughs> unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it.
1: And, and who would think, you know, knowing what we know about Carey Price, uh, if, if you're if you've got Carey Price on your team and you've scored five goals in this game, mm. you're going home with a win. Yeah. Well, maybe not. And he didn't even play that bad. He wasn't that bad. He, there was a couple he maybe would want to have back, but, uh, you know, you, you had people going in close on him. Uh, he had no chance on a couple of them, just he, none. Just,
0: it was just com- complete defensive lapses. Oh, yeah.
1: And players that usually are playing well defensively lately did not show yeah, up. Yeah, like Ben had a terrible pinch. Ben was awful. had a terrible Shlumko pinch. Shlumko was terrible. Uh, mete, mete was was not good last night and I'm a big fan of mete yeah. he was not offensively he wasn't half bad but defensively he was awful yeah it was it was re- like it was to the point where I wasn't even getting
0: angry anymore it was no. funny like I was legitimately 100 percent laughing yeah for yeah. both for both teams yeah because Carolina as well they would just give the puck away like when Petrie walked in from the point up right off the face off. There was a face-off. Montreal won. It went, went straight back to Petrie. The Car- all the Car- the whole Carolina team just went and s- and slid over to the middle of the ice and just let, literally just, let, just uh, let him. Petrie walk in, and <laughs> shoot and score.
1: I'm a big fan of uh, the morning show with McKenna, Starr and Moffat on TSN 690, which is the Montreal Sports Channel. Never listened to it. And uh, well, because you, <laughs> I'm it, a because I'm an That's because it's called the morning show. <laughs> You'd never hear anything called the morning that's show. That's right. Anyway, um, he, or the three of them, they were having a ball doing what we're doing right now, uh, taking the game apart yeah, and, uh, breaking it down into its gross elements. And it was gross. It was just absolutely terrible. And the first period, even the into the early part of the second period was very, very, uh, just inconsistent and mistakes. And was, who made the fewest mistakes is the team that got the goal on that shift. Yeah. And it was just awful and you know look at the coach look at claude julian and you know we're not professional lip readers but mm. uh, it was pretty easy to see what he thought of the game and then when when montreal did get
0: good opportunities and a a player with a clear shot at the net it was always the turtleneck wearing fool thomas blicanek <laughs> with the worst <laughs> shot in the national hockey league either he misses the net by five feet or he's straight in the crest of the goalie yeah as i've never seen anyone with. A more ridiculously bad shot than him. Terrible.
1: If uh, if you had him at the All-Star game in the skills competition, you'd want to put the targets around the outside <laughs> of the goalposts, yeah. and he would, he'd walk away with it. Oh, totally. He'd be awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh. Oh. Anyway, uh, it was frustrating, but now Montreal goes into the All-Star break, sending one player to the All-Star spectacle. Why is Carey Price at the All-Star game? Because of who he used to be. But
0: why... Uh, that's a frustrating thing, and like we talked about this, I guess was it last night? Yep. Why do we have people going to the All Star Game who are like, it? Wh- whoever goes to the All Star Game should be having a good year. I don't care if I don't care if they're a big name star. Why isn't Why isn't William Carlson there mm-hmm. from from Vegas? Yeah, he's what one one or two goals behind Ovechkin, and you're not going to send him to the All Star Game? Are you kidding me? Mm. Uh, and why is Carry Price there, yeah. You, I mean, I know the Atlantic's bad, but you're telling me that there's, like, who's the goalie going from the Atlantic Division? Vasilevsky and Price, yeah. Anderson, Anderson wasn't good enough. Is Rask going? I don't. I, I honestly don't I, know. I honestly don't know. Like, how is Carey Price going before Rask or Anderson?
1: I, I, because of who he used to be.
0: So every team has to have one player, yeah. right? Yeah. So who do you send from Montreal if you don't send Price because he's having a bad year? Nobody. He, can't, he can't send Weber because he's injured. Hmm. He, can't, he can't send Patrick because he's invisible. Yeah, He can't send Placanek because turtlenecks are banned at the All-Star game.
1: <laughs> I would send... He
0: can't send Durant because he's having a terrible year.
1: I would send Nicola Deloria. I would too. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> but really, you know, there comes a time when your team is doing so poorly that the one-player-per-team rule should not have to apply.
0: It's like the year when Carolina was doing just... God awful I think it was like Maybe three or four years ago And they sent Justin Falk mm-hmm. Who was just Like Should not have been there Whatsoever I think it was him And I was just like Why You're just like Come on And mm-hmm. I think someone Really really good was sitting home Like this year Phil Kessel's not Phil the Thrill Phil the Thrill Kessel Is not going to the All-Star game
1: <laughs>
0: What kind of world Do we live in <laughs> When the, the hot dog Hamburger eaten Phil Kessel Can't attend An All-Star game
1: That's terrible you know, I would be upset about it if I cared more, and I don't care very much. And yeah. that, I think that's why it's more almost a joke. Uh, now, in, now, correct me if I'm wrong, and I may be wrong. I have been wrong a few times in the past, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> in Major League Baseball, when the National League and the American League play in the All-Star game, it's for something.
0: It not it like that in... No, it's not basketball, but it's... I think the, what the the All Star Game in the NHL used to be, you, you like it was an actual competition, like it was it actually meant something. I think back in your day I in the th- 20s or whatever, and that was.
1: <laughs> the twice, I don't know. Like well, up until I think some, sometime in the 1950s, the All Star Game was the Stanley Cup defending champion against the All Stars from the rest of the league. That's what it used to be. Now at some point it became probably maybe in 68, I don't know, but it was East versus West or Campbell versus, you know, the Mm -hmm. different Prince of Wales conference versus whatever. Um, But in Major League Baseball, if I'm not mistaken, when the two leagues play off in the All-Star game against each other, Mm -hmm. the winning league gets home field advantage in the World Series. Hmm. If you had the All-Star game set up so that it was a straight East-West contest... That'd be really interesting. I think it would be great. That's a good idea. Thank you. It's not mine. Oh yeah, it's not your I idea. It, I wasn't, but thank, you know. I wasn't <laughs> thanking you. <laughs> but, but if they could actually, you know, something was on the line. Now, of course, oh, if, the players are, if something's on the line, the players are going to play hard, and one of them might get hurt for no reason because it's not a real game. Well, that's all true. And so if the players are not going to play to their full capability, then what the hell are you doing? <laughs> why, why are we here? It's just a waste of time, really. It's a total I waste mean, of time. The game itself. Skills comp, I like. I just like the conversations. I like seeing the guys laugh with each other. Yeah. Like, that's literally all I like. And that happens in the skills competition, yeah. where they're all standing around the boards, and they're yakking, and they're having a great time. Yeah. Leave it at that. Hmm. Let them go home. I, if I was if I was Carrie Price, would I even want to be at the All-Star game? I would feel self-conscious about even being oh, there, given yeah. my record. Absolutely. And I'm also missing a five-day break while all my buddies... You know, or sitting down in Tampa or Barbados, or wherever they are, Mm -hmm. soaking in the rays. You know, I'm walking around, getting my picture taken, signing autographs and having people drag me around by the hand. Do you
0: know who Carey Price got his picture with today? No. Down in Tampa? No. Puppies? Puppies. Puppies. I don't don't know why. I was on Instagram. I'm just seeing Tyler Sagan holding puppies in his arms and then Carey Price holding puppies in his arms. I'm like, what's going on here? I love puppies. I love puppies, too. They're super cute. But why? I don't. I I didn't. I guess I didn't read what it was for. Maybe it was for. I don't know. Dog food, puppy shelter, or something like that. I I don't really know. Yeah, and it's it, all... it wasn't for something like that. It was. I think it was like a charity or something. Oh, okay.
1: Well, that's that's good. But still.
0: Uh. Still. Yeah. Still. Why? I, why? But anyway. Yeah. It was cute, but. I don't know. I <laughs> I just didn't get it. I didn't get the. Relation, I just. But. You know it.
1: it I, I don't think I'll be around much in the all-star games because there's what they play actually three or four games right on Sunday, little oh, games. or I don't know, something like that. And so, you know, I know you're going to PVR it and I, I, I'm going to be out at a thing. I so. won't be home anyway. Okay. I'll, I'll miss them both. Yeah. I, I probably won't even watch, uh, even a recorded version. If I'm around in the skills comp on the Saturday night, I'll, I might watch that just to, you know, see them dipsy doodle and have the fun that you were talking about. Cause mm-hmm. I like that part too, to see them be real people. And this is something that may come up a little bit later in the podcast uh, today. But one thing that that I'm going to try to remind myself more of, you know, we can sit here and be critical all we like about you know cr- critical of players and work ethic and and that. But hockey players and really all professional sports players, their job is being in front of the public all the time. Mm-hmm. And very few people, I know I wouldn't like it. If the entire world was watching me do my job every day, and pointing a finger at me when I screwed something up or I you know, <laughs> saved a file in the wrong folder or something. And to have the entire world criticizing your every move when you're doing your job, that can't be easy. Oh,
0: totally. We're jerks.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm just going to try to remember more consciously my jerkedness and, and try to temper my comments. And, and one, of it's, you know, one of the comments will be coming up in the context of, of uh, Derek England's story and David Perron's story for the Las Vegas Golden Knights and uh, how they got on the team and what their experience has been like on the team. Mm -hmm. And you see them. These are articles they wrote themselves coming from their own internal perspective, and they're just real people. They're ordinary folks with ordinary struggles, and uh, we forget that sometimes. So it's, uh, you know, the all-star game is just more of that pedestaling of people, and it's just too bad. Mm. I don't know.
0: What would you think of, uh, this will never happen because of what you mentioned earlier with the injuries. What if the best te- – whoever won the Stanley Cup this year and whoever came first in the KHL, whoever won that cup, whatever that cup's called, and whoever won the SHL Cup or whatever that cup's called, and then the Finnish SM Liga or whatever that's called, mm-hmm. what if they all played in a tournament together? I don't think that would ever happen based on the injury, the whole injury thing. Mm-hmm. Because when you're taking a Stanley Cup team that has just – gone through a grueling three months in the playoffs and then ask them to play another tournament, which will probably take two weeks. Mm-hmm. That's two weeks out of their rest time. That's two weeks out of their celebration time. And we've seen Stanley Cup teams come back just, the next season
1: and be so tired. Just bagged. Just, yeah. Just Especially bagged. a year when there's a World Cup or, you know, World Championship of Hockey in September. And yeah. It, oh, man. So I, 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 And man. for that
0: re- that reason, it'll never happen. But it'll be cool to watch. It'll be a lot mm-hmm. of fun.
1: I actually think that we play too much hockey in the NHL. I I don't like 82 games. I'd be happier with 70 games. I think, yeah. 64 games or, you know, instead of having a game sometimes back-to-back two consecutive nights, like when Montreal played Colorado the other night, it wasn't fair to Colorado. They played Toronto the night before. They won that game and they played well, and they played fairly well in the first period against Montreal. But when Mm -hmm. you played the night before and you've traveled in between and the team you're playing has been sitting back waiting for you, that's not fair, I don't think there's any need for back to back games no, not not these days with computerized scheduling. Mm. You can hit it. you can program the rules in, hit a button it'll spit out a schedule that keeps teams traveling decently and not playing back to back exactly and and if you're still playing back to you're forced to play back to back games in the amount of time you have between the first week of October and the first week of April, then play fewer games. Mm. I'm sorry, just play yep. fewer games and you know, yes, there's less gate and there's maybe less ad revenue and fewer games on TV, but guess what? You're still always going to have at least six games on television on a given night. Yeah. So I mean, the, there was 15 games on last night. Yeah, that's crazy. 30 teams
0: were playing hockey. Who has time to watch all that hockey? <laughs> I know I don't. Like, I,
1: <laughs> man, oh, man. Yeah, but, you know, it's so let's, you but, know, let's look at 64 games. And then the players are, are better prepared for each game. Like, they only play football once a week. Well, so there's only like 16 games in football, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Soccer, they play that uh, once, twice a week. You know, uh, And this is the, where I was going with this. In soccer, or football, as they call it in most places in the world, the top finishing team, let's say, in the British Premier League, this year is going to be Manchester City. But the top five placing teams in the league in the regular season standings all qualify to play in other tournaments mm-hmm. and other uh, championships, the Europa League, the FA Cup, the whatever—they have these different rankings of Champions League, and that's what could happen in the NHL if it was all more properly governed under mm-hmm. the IIHF, so that maybe the Stanley Cup champion wouldn't be expected to play the KHL champion, but the second-place team or the or the President's Trophy winner—let's say if it's a different team—if the President's Trophy winner wins the Stanley Cup, then, then the second place team goes and plays in the tournament just to give them a break or whatever. Yeah, that be You can cool. do something like that. And, and it might not, like what they do in, in, in England is they use last year's standings, but they play the games this year. Okay, So they don't do it at the end of the season after a long, grueling season and then extend it by two or three weeks. They'll fit games in mid midweek. So if Manchester City plays Fulham you know, on a Saturday, then on a Tuesday night they might play Dortmund from, from you know, the, the mainland. Right. Or they'll play AC Milan on a Thursday. And they still have their regular schedule. They just squeeze these other games in. And they play one home and one away. Yeah, I don't know. I, all kinds of good ways to I don't, do it. And I don't understand how baseball does it. Like they play like 100 and, what is it? 162.
0: Yeah, 162 games. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Who has time to, like if, I like the Blue Jays. I ain't watching 162 games. There's no way. You're a quitter. I'm a quitter.
1: Well, you know, baseball is not as physically demanding because most of the time... You're just standing around. You're just standing around. Yeah. And there's short bursts of absolute panic followed by, you know, 15 minutes of standing around. Uh, I guess. And a lot of the guys are fat. (laughs) No, they're not. Well, they are. in football. Well, you know, you look at the American League and these pinch hitters or or DHs, right? Yeah, I guess. Great big fat guys. (laughs) (laughs) They're not. They're fat. No, they're They're not. They're porkers. Porkers. Some of the pitchers, some of the pitchers are just ginormous. (laughs) Because in the American League, they don't have to bat. They don't have to run to first base. Mm -hmm. Someone's, you know, they're going to have a DH hitting for them. So they get up there and, you know, they put their hot dog in their back pocket and they wind (laughs) up and pitch. They're huge. (laughs) I can say that because I'm a big guy. I guess that's right. I'm allowed, so I'm taking a little extra license there. Uh, All right, what you got over there? I got Bob McKenzie's coach's poll. Uh, here in Canada, we have a sports network called TSN, similar to your ESPN in the United States, if that's where you're listening from. And one of our long-term analysts on TSN is Bob McKenzie. Bob is a very well-plugged-in guy. He's got lots of sources, lots of contacts. He, I think he's the best person at TSN. I think so, too. And when something happens in, in the world of hockey, if you just watch Bob McKenzie's Twitter feed, mm-hmm. you're going to see it first there. He's very well-respected he from his peers. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. So what he does, and he has contacts with all the coaches, and he does a poll coming up on the All-Star game each year, and he asks the coaches who they'd vote for for various categories. And uh, here we go. The rustling of paper as I open it up here. Best goalie. Now there's 31 coaches in the league, so most of these categories will have a total of 31 votes. The coaches for best goalie, 26 votes out of 31. For Vasilevsky. Really? Really. 26 out of 31. Mm, That seems high. Uh, Tied for second place with two votes each.
0: Is this trivia? Okay. Are you blocking? Because I was kind of looking a little bit. It is now. It's hard to see, but.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Bob. Oh. And Hellebuck. Oh, nice. And one vote for goaltender. Flurry? No. Oh, I don't know. He's going to the All-Star Game. Price? Yeah. Who the heck voted for Price? Probably Claude Julien. I don't that know. That is the
0: worst. I need to know who that is. I need to call
1: him. You better get a hold of Bob. We need to have Bob a chat. Bob knows. Bob knows. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, a little more distributed for defensemen. Best defenseman. Uh, it better be Klingberg. Nope. He's, he's uh, tied for third. Son of a... With only one vote. Lingberg is only Uh, one vote. He's tied with Brent Burns for third. Frustrating. Uh, Is it Dowdy? Doughty is in second with 12 votes. Hedman? Hedman is first with 17. Good for you. Um, Best rookie? Barzal. Barzal. By far, 24 votes at a 31. Who's next? Besser. Besser with four votes and? Magaboy. Magaboy with three. Very well done. Thank you. Very well done. Let's move on here. One of these, you know the answer, so I'll save that to the end. <laughs> uh, the team that the coaches think is going to be the Eastern Conference champion. Oh. Uh, when
0: did they? When did they vote this? Uh, just like, this, like this, this past week, probably. Oh, I'd say Washington, I guess. Uh, no. Oh, duh, Tampa. Okay, <laughs> I, <don't laughs> I, don't I completely <laughs> forgot about Tampa. I don't. I don't
1: smell any smoke in the air, yeah, but not. you're smoking something. I don't I'm know okay. why I forgot about Tampa, but yeah, Tampa Bay. Second place is, uh, Washington no boston yes third place is toronto no washington no (laughs) new jersey no pittsburgh actually what yeah yeah and that's that's probably is this just in the metro no this is the eastern conference okay yeah (laughs) all right i mean it's not impossible but no that's right western conference champion uh, Vegas? Uh, Vegas is on the list with seven votes, but higher than that with 16 Nashville. votes is Nashville. Yeah. After Vegas, we have... Washington. Or not Washington. <laughs> I meant... To... Washington. I meant to say Winnipeg. You are correct. <laughs> and then finally, uh, in fourth place, because there were actually four teams that got votes here in the West. Uh, St. Louis? No. What? No. Dallas? Yes. Dallas got two votes. And for Stanley Cup champion, the 31 coaches distributed their votes, number one as... Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay with 19. Number two... Hope, I hope it's Vegas. It's not. Oh, Nashville. Yes, Nashville <laughs> with five. Number three... Uh, Boston. Boston with four. And three teams tied with one vote each for uh, Stanley Cup champion. Dallas. Dallas is not one of them. Vegas better be one. Vegas is one. Winnipeg. Winnipeg is another one. And?
0: Uh, I don't know.
1: The 3 Pete Oh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Now, this is the fun, funnest one of all. And you know the answer to this because we texted about it the other day. We did. Now, you can't vote for yourself. So if there's a, coaches are voting for the best coach in the league at mid at the midpoint, which is all they're doing now is the midpoint. You can't vote for yourself, so, you know, that means that there can only be 30 votes among the 31 coaches. So best coach of the year so far. Best coach of the year so far. The winner, with 30 votes out of 30... One. Well, really out of 30, because there's only 30 votes. What do you mean there's only 30 votes? Each coach only votes 30 times. Now... Wait, what? That doesn't make sense. Well, each... Sorry, each coach has only 30 others to pick from, so I should I put it that way? Okay, yeah, but... Yeah, but uh, yeah, we don't know who he voted for because he obviously had a vote and there's no other coach with any vote and he can't vote for yourself. So they're only reporting, Bob is only reporting 30 votes for coach of the year. So he has not released who the first He's not released who, who the other who Gerard Gallant voted for. Cuz Gerard- everybody <laughs> else voted for Gerard Gallant. Everybody. <laughs> Every other coach. Every other coach including therefore the coach of the Florida Panthers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is the funniest thing of all. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's that's um that's amazing. It's just a testament. You know, these are his peers. These are the people who do what he does for a living mm. and the utmost respect they have for this man. As they should. He's going to win the Jack Adams. He's if he doesn't. I, I
0: don't know if I've if anyone's ever said that halfway through the season and it being so solidified. hmm It it's going to be him. It's got. It, it has to be, be him. It if it's be. not, there'll be a riot.
1: <laughs> and you'll be at the head of it. Mm. Yeah.
0: I, yeah. I I laid some claims to what I was going to do if. <laughs> yes, you did. If Montreal resigns, Volcanic. <laughs> <Spokane
1: again. laughs> you should tell the listeners what you're going to do. I
0: don't think I. I don't think no. it's appropriate. If, it just If involves. Montreal
1: science Placanix, Neil is going to make a mess <laughs> on the steps of the Bell Center. I yeah, think that's what you said.
0: And yeah, I originally said the Bell Center. I said I was going to take a poo on the on the Bell Center steps, but I changed it to oh. Placanix's steps <laughs> in front of his house. <laughs> that's terrible. It is terrible. You are a bad man. I said it completely jokingly, just for the record.
1: Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's not appropriate because no. he's, he's just a person too. He is. I'm I was joking completely. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, if you're going to direct your attention somewhere, it probably should be at the, uh, the administration of the team, <laughs> yeah. not the poor guy who was offered another $4 million to sign for another yeah. year.
0: I would, I would be upset. I would clearly never be a, that upset about anything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked about this probably six weeks ago or maybe a month ago at the, at least, And it was a couple of beautiful human interest stories that I came across Mm. in uh, in the online media. And it's the website that's been started up by and maintained by Derek Jeter, former superstar with the New York Yankees. And the website is called theplayerstribune.com. And it's great. They cover all sports. And the players themselves write a biographical or uh, special interest Articles uh, about themselves or about things they've seen in their in their play. It's so unique, it's fabulous because we don't think of sports players as being literary artists. I mean,
0: we get the odd hockey player who takes who makes the transition from player to
1: like Colby Armstrongs with Sportsnet and Kelly Rudy mm-hmm. and and Ken Dryden who's written books on yeah. hockey on the game itself. Yeah, uh, and you know, and from a very Intelligent, thoughtful perspective. Kiprios is another one. Yeah. And we don't think, of but you know, st- when we look at active players, we don't think of people who are t- have the time even to sit down with a laptop oh, yeah. and and or even a dictaphone and tell a story.
0: But they're great. Well, I mean, they're they're so busy; they're, they're always on the go. And anytime that they're not playing hockey, or traveling with the team, or practicing, or whatever, they're probably going to want to spend time with their families. I mean, I assume.
1: Yeah. One of the uh, stories I have is from David Perron, who uh, was just enjoying himself last summer, or I guess early last summer, when he got a call from Doug Armstrong, who was the GM of the uh, St. Louis Blues, Mm -hmm. where David was playing at the time, to tell him ahead of time that the team was not going to be able to protect him in the expansion draft and that he wasn't sure what was going to happen, but he apologized for not being able to protect him, wished him all the best, hoped everything was going to go well. And Perron was, at that time, he's originally from Sherbrooke, Quebec, which is down in the eastern townships, about an hour, a little more than an hour uh, east and a little bit south of Montreal. And he was a professional hockey player, obviously. He had some money that he had saved, and he had always wanted, when he was younger, to build a house on a lake, Mm. which he had done. And it was the first house he really owned was this house, and he was sitting out in the lake in a boat and his cell phone rang and it was Armstrong on the phone saying, we can't protect you, you know, and his whole world just kind of went blank at that point. He just kind of sat on the boat and thought about life. Yeah. And a few days later, the phone rang again and it was Armstrong. And sorry for the rustling papers in the background. but I'll forgive you this time. I don't have all this in my head, you know, I have to read some of it. And Armstrong phones him back and says, he thinks it's pretty certain now that Vegas is going to pick him mm. and uh, all the best. I presume that Armstrong must have been working a deal with Vegas to you know, have them not pick somebody else or some consideration that we'll never know about maybe. Mm. Anyway, it started to sink in that this is really going to happen. So he knew Marc-Andre Fleury, and he knew Fleury was going to get picked as well, so he texted him. And he said, Vegas. And Fleury texts back, Vegas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so they're going to be teammates. Um, one of the things that really excited David Perron was the fact that Gerard Gallant had already been picked as head coach of the right. Golden Knights. And well before, mm-hmm. like months oh, yeah. months before. And he was super thrilled because he, he'd never been coached by Gerard Gallant before, but mm-hmm. every player he knew that had been just thinks the guy is... He's a player's coach. He's a player's yeah. coach. He's, they love him. He's fantastic. And they couldn't wait you know, to play for him again. So Perron was excited about that part. Yeah. That I'm going to get to play with uh, Gerard Gallant. So, uh, when, when Vegas did the draft, uh, sure enough he was picked and Kelly McCrimmon from Vegas called him, I think the next day. And this is an interesting part of the conversation. Uh, he said, uh, David, we've picked you. We're going to be making a lot of moves. You're going to be hearing a lot in the media about us, you know, moving players, but we're not moving you. We have an idea for you. We're going to keep you on the team. We're going to build some things around you. And, uh, so sit tight, you know, it's going to be a good, good, good ride. Mm. So he did exactly that. I mean, he was uh, picked.
0: It's good that they kept their word too, because oh, yeah. when you make one trade, so many other things happen mm-hmm. that you kind of. I'm sure there was talks to to move him as well. So it's I'm, I'm impressed that they actually stuck to their guns there. Yeah, and did what they said they were going to do. And, and they did just not
1: move him. And so they were finally all called together as a team for the first time, and they're sitting around in the room. And looking at each other, some of them knew each other from other times in the past, and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of them didn't. They'd never played together as a unit, you know, these 30 guys. But uh, David Perron in in, in the web uh, article in the uh, Players' Tribune writes, every guy in our room has a chip on his shoulder, and every time we step in the ice, it's a fight to prove our worth. Now, some of the players in the Golden Knights are acquired by trade. Right. So not everybody sitting in the room was in the expansion draft, therefore an unprotected player from some other team that didn't want them anymore. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the players in the dressing room were those guys. And when you, can you imagine, let's say you're uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, knowing that the Pittsburgh Penguins aren't going to protect you, and you're going back to Pittsburgh to play a game in the uh, Mellon Arena or whatever they call it. <laughs>
0: it's <laughs> not the Mellon Arena. What, what is it? It's the PPG Paints Arena. Oh, okay. The Melon
1: Well, well it, didn't it used to be, the Melon yeah, Arena? Yeah, like 15 years ago. Okay, well, that's <laughs> just the other day. So you go back into the Melon Arena, and, uh, and you're Marc-Andre Fleury, and you're playing the team that said, uh, no, nah, we don't want to. You're going to probably play your hardest oh, heck in yeah. that game. So think about that. For all the other 30 teams' games that you go to when you're on the road, almost, not all, but almost every single time you're skating out on the ice one of your players has a point to make and you, you want to help him make that point let's win it for blank let's yeah. win it for blank let's win it for the guy who was cut and uh, and didn't do it so uh anyway that's that's uh just a an interesting insight into what goes on through the mind of a yep. player who gets picked in an expansion draft And uh, Perron goes on, I'm not reading the whole thing, Uh, we just don't have time, but he goes on to say, there's a misconception that we were put together in a day, or a few days. But one of the things that was so clear to me when we first got on the ice was the amazing job our management did to build this team. Our lines don't change too much, and that's for good reason. When the administration of the Vegas Golden Knights put the team together, they were looking strictly for chemistry. Mm. And they were matching players up with other players to see who would... B you could tell that they took a lot of time oh yeah uh, picking and everyone thought that, that some
0: of the picks were bogus I including tra- myself including me too you. me
1: yeah. too i thought it was just like are, are they are they nuts
0: and they, tr- they had some picks that were good and then they traded them away like yeah. i thought i just crazy yeah but
1: here they are <laughs> <laughs> uh the, the article near the end uh talks a little bit about his son mason oh right. david perron's son mason He's just a little guy, and there's a picture of him with Mason. Uh, The TV viewers can probably see it. You can see it. He's a cute little dude, and he looks to be only two or three years old, if that. And uh, this is a great little story at the end. I remember one night a few weeks ago, he writes, they waited for me in the stands after one of our games. This would be his wife and his son, or girlfriend. He always asked Mom if he can stay because he loves the Zamboni. All he wants to do is watch the Zamboni. So that night I'm sitting with him in the stands and the Zamboni starts to come towards the ice and the driver yells out, hey, you guys want to ride along? I got an extra seat here. And so I looked at Mason and he gave me those two-year-old puppy dog eyes. All right, we're coming. (laughs) So for probably 30 minutes, even after the ice was clean, we rode around and Mason never stopped smiling. It was so peaceful and beautiful. It reminded me of that day in the lake this summer. I thought about how this has all played out so differently than I assumed it would I thought about how lucky I was, and I thought how, if I could go back, I wouldn't want to change a thing. Yeah. So the story started with him sitting on that lake, thinking his world was coming to an end. Yeah. And, you know, only a few months later, he wouldn't change a thing. No. Uh, So that's just fantastic. Now, uh, another of his teammates has a great story as well. And if we have time, how are we doing for time? Oh, yeah, we're good. We're
0: at uh, 53 minutes.
1: Perfect. And this is Derek Engeland. Uh, Derek Englund, he toiled a lot in the minors before he ever got a crack at the NHL. He's from Edmonton. He was drafted in the year 2000. He was uh, 194th overall, sixth round, mm. New Jersey Devils. He never got to play for the Devils, and you know he he played uh, in the ECHL and the AHL for six years. Then he played five years with Pittsburgh and three years with Calgary, mm-hmm. and then Vegas picked him because again he wasn't unprotected. That's right. And Derek Engeland is a guy who's known to be a physical player and a tough guy. Yep. And uh, he's he's got a great story about how he meets his wife.
0: And he's from Las Vegas, right?
1: No, he played minor hockey there. He's oh, from right. Edmonton. right. Yeah. Right. But he did play, not, I won't say minor hockey, but some early like semi-pro. Right, or, right. Um, he said, I never thought I'd call Las Vegas home because he's an Edmonton kid. And he first went there in 2003 to Las Vegas to play for the Las Vegas Wranglers in the ECHL. So he is a local boy in that sense. Um, He he said, it's about as far from the NHL as you could get. Our arena was inside the Orleans Casino. (laughs) And since there wasn't a real weight room, the whole team used to go down to workouts at the Gold Gym up the street. It was kind of rough and tumble. Rough and tumble, he says. Heck yeah. Not tough and rumble. Whatever. As long but as he's saying it. But it was a blast. They were making $500 a week.
0: $500
1: a week. Yeah, that was his pay when he was in the ECHL. I'll take it. So the team worked out a deal with Gold's Gym. And they also, there's a nearby bar when they were done, they'd go and they have some shepherd's pies. And you knew like shepherd's pie at this place called McMullen's. So he's in McMullen's and he sees this girl. She's really pretty and she's sitting at the bar with some friends. And he gets his courage up and he goes over and he starts chatting her up and mm-hmm. uh, he tells her that, uh, uh, he's, you know, playing hockey for the Wranglers. And I guess a part of me thought she'd be impressed about that, but she had the blankest expression on her face. She says, <laughs> Las Vegas has a hockey team. <laughs> and he said, yes, they actually pay you to play, you know? And he said, sort of. And, uh, she was, her name was Melissa. She was getting her master's at the university of Las Vegas or university of Nevada, Las Vegas, UNLV. So he says, you know, this, that kind of thing. She didn't know anything about hockey, so I gave her my number and told her to come to her next game so she could see what it was all about. Well, she actually does go to the game. But before that even happens, after he, he s- says she should go to the game and gives her his number, he starts walking away, and he changes his mind. He says, she's never going to call me. Mm-hmm. I, th- this isn't going to happen, so I'm going I'm to turn around and, and nail this down. I wheeled back around, and I said, sorry, but I know you're not going to call me. But how about giving me your number and i'll call you and she did actually so anyway um the editor's note actually talked to melissa at this point and uh, he says i got her phone number it was the best thing that ever happened to me and melissa says it was the best thing that ever happened to him (laughs) 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 which i think is hilarious so a few days later she's sitting in the stands at the orleans for our game in those days i dropped the gloves quite a bit and in those days i was pretty good at it so at one point during the game some guy asked if I wanted to go, and I knew that Melissa was in the stands, so you're damn right I wanted to go. And, you know, I wasn't about to lose a fight in front of this girl, so I got him pretty good. And at least my memory of it, the fans were going crazy. They were loving it. And I'm sitting inside the penalty box, hands all caught up thinking, she probably thinks I'm pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes to McMullen's after the game, which is where he was going to meet her, and she mm-hmm. doesn't show up. He's like waiting and waiting, and no, no, no Melissa. So he phones her up. And like, he says, where are you? And she says, are you crazy? He says, what do you mean? She says, well, why'd you beat that guy up? You know, that's a bit irrational, don't you think? And uh, and he said, I think that's exactly what she said, irrational. So I had to do some pretty big damage control. (laughs) I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. It's my job. Uh, He was being a jerk. It's the code. It's the code, (laughs) yeah. The code, right? So I guess I convinced her that I was a normal enough guy, and she ended up giving in and coming to meet me. 15 years and two kids later, she still thinks it's irrational that I go to work and fight other grown men, but we're still going <laughs> strong. So I just, I thought that was great. Uh, again, when when he got the call, you know, that he was going to Las Vegas, uh, his wife was at work, actually, and he told his son, and the son got to surprise his mom when she came home from work, which was kind of cool. But he, later on in the article, he says, it took me six seasons in the minors before I played my first NHL game. There were times when Melissa and I would drive across the country to get... or to my next training camp or my new team and we'd park our car in the Walmart parking lot and go to sleep for a few hours so we didn't waste money in a hotel Hmm. you know so here's a guy in the NHL he's making you know hopefully good money that he can help retire on yeah Uh, but he's 35 years old now and you know he's on a, a fantastic hockey team and he's part of a great story. He's and on the best team he's ever been on. He's on the best team he's ever been on and this is a team that has tasted first place in the entire NHL on a more than one occasion this season and they're very close to it right now and they're being picked if, if even only by a, a few coaches as a very good potential contender for the Stanley Cup and uh, he's 35. This is his chance and it's a fantastic story because when a lot of these guys get picked by the Vegas Golden Knights, they probably thought this was gonna be a run and done kind of excuse me, kind of thing. <laughs> I had a little hiccup there. A run and done kind of thing. And he would be uh, you know,
0: uh uh Oh, it's just checking his stats. I was just sorry to interrupt you, I was just yeah. checking online to see if he was part of the Pittsburgh Penguins Cup win in two thousand nine. Oh. He joined the team the year after.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, he's this will be the closest he ever gets. Mm. Right now, he's having a decent season. He's played 47 games. Uh, he's got three goals, 13 assists, and, uh, and good for him because he's not there for his hands, at least his scoring hands. If he gets, <laughs> if he
0: gets two more points, he'll break his point record. Yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> so what a fantastic story. Mm. I just think it's so super that some of these players that probably thought the call from Vegas was a, a turning point for the worst in their lives are now finding themselves on the right of their lives sitting in a dressing room full of unbelievable energy and positivity and playing for a coach that's renowned as, you know, the best in the business it happens to be from PEI. I'm sure that's no coincidence, <laughs> but, uh, it's just amazing. And these, these are just two of 30 different stories or yeah. 25 stories exactly, of players who've ended up with Vegas and probably will take to their graves, hopefully a long time from now before that happens, that this is likely the best year of their lives. Could be, and I'm very curious to to hear other stories as well
0: from from the other players. I hope that they get the opportunity to to mm-hmm. tell their own personal story, whether it's on that website like they did, or in an, in an interview after the season, something like that. Mm-hmm. But
1: and, you know, and every player in the in the NHL, with with a few exceptions maybe, because some are rich kids, you know, that have um, the silver spoon thing, and they've mm-hmm. been lucky because their talent was identified so young that they've been playing in you know elite areas for a long time but most of them are like these guys mm. and their wives and their and their kids where they toil through you know flea bag hotels and, and playing for next to nothing and then the light shines on them you know and it's just uh it's just fantastic there's a uh there's a lot of parallels and entertainment and uh, you know at whether it's acting there's If anyone, uh, can't appreciate that, then you're probably got no soul. If you do appreciate that and you've never heard, and this, this will be totally foreign to you, but, but I encourage you even as a young man to, uh, look up a song by Lacey J. Dalton, who's a country singer called 16th Avenue. Okay. And the song is about people who toil in what they do, what they love to do. Mm-hmm. And then one day it, it actually works. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say.
0: Interesting. Very interesting. I'll definitely check it out. Um, do you have anything else on the agenda for today? I, I do not. All right. Well, uh, I think we should wrap it up there. We're at about just over an hour. Perfect. So, uh. I like it. Yeah. Special Friday night podcast. Uh, thank you guys for, for watching or listening. If you're watching on YouTube, hope you can hit the, uh, subscribe. Oh snap. I forgot something. Oh, oh the fish. Fishbowl. Oh, right. Fishbowl. Okay. You choose a fish. I'll choose a fish. Right now. No, I mean like you choose a oh. fish right now. Okay. <laughs> then I'll do the cut. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Oh, a blue one this time. Okay. Now we can roll the intro. <laughs> okay. So we are back. And uh, if you could change one rule in the NHL... What would it be and why? Wow. The list would be so long. We kind of had
1: a conversation earlier. We already did. I kind of already covered this. Yeah, but but if I only get one chance to change something, is that what I want to change or do I want to change something even bigger? Here's what I would do. I would do away with overtimes and shootouts. Oh, well, my answer was shootouts okay. So just
0: get rid of shootouts completely.
1: I'd even get rid of overtime.
0: Really? You don't like three-on-three three overtime?
1: No. Provide for a regulation tie. If, what? if If a team doesn't want to win the game in the first three periods, screw it. Give them a point and tell them to go home. Mm, I d- back in the day, we had ties, mm-hmm. and good enough. I don't like three. I hate three-point games. So either if you keep overtime, two points for the winner, and the loser gets nothing, or keep ties. I don't like three-point games. Yeah, I'm okay. That's the killer.
0: I'm okay with that. Right. I'm okay with the... Two points. The two-point thing. For the over. But I love three-on-three. It's amazing. I don't know how you
1: can't say that you don't like that. I love watching it, but I just don't like what it does to... I don't like how it influences the standings. you'd like it if the winner got two points and the loser got nothing. Yeah.
0: Cool. All right. All right. That's... Uh, that was easy. it, it wasn't, mine, but mine is just to get rid of the shootout. I hate it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's not an, it's not an individual sport. It's a team sport. You win as a team. You shouldn't have to win as an individual. I think it's stupid.
1: I totally so. agree. So, well, we're, we're kind of in agreement there. Yeah.
0: I, I'm in the same ballpark there for, yeah. for stuff. Yeah. So cool. So. And there was no name attached to the, oh, okay. this one. It kind of came in anonymously, anonymously oh, anonymous. via email. So. All right. Yeah. Uh. Cool. Thanks for, thanks for watching, guys, on YouTube. If you're if you're new here, hit the subscribe button. If you like this podcast, hit the like button. If you're listening on iTunes or Google Play Music, um, you can rate us. Uh, leave us a rating. Leave us some feedback. That'd be awesome. Uh, if you want to contribute on Patreon and help us out there, that'd be awesome. Uh, link's down in the description. If you want to send us any letters, tell us your story. That's in the description, too. Uh, so thanks, guys, for listening and watching. And um, we'll see you next week for podcast number 34. Adios.